0: Hi, my name is Jameson. Welcome to the Unexpected Experts podcast, a show where we dive into the vast spectrum of human knowledge and the ways that our experiences make us experts in unexpected ways. Thanks so much for listening. All right, well, welcome to the podcast. This is is episode one. I've got my good friend here, Kelly Krieger, on the show this week. Kelly is a mutual music lover. We both sing in a choir together here in the city. She is a grade five teacher as well, and she is also a mother to two beautiful, incredible, wonderful children. Kelly, welcome to Unexpected Experts. Hello. Hello. This is so
1: fun. Uh,
0: We're going to have so much fun.
1: We are. I'm very excited. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, This is a new experience for both of us. Totally. And. I couldn't be more thrilled to have you <laughs> on the show. So, uh, welcome.
1: Welcome. Hi. Welcome to me.
0: Welcome to yourself. Yes. yes. I love it. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about yourself, Kelly. Um, I know we know each other a little bit from singing in the same choir yes. here in Calgary, uh, the yes. New West Symphony and Chorus, and that's kind of how we met and how how we became friends. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Give us a little, give us a little spiel on, on On who Kelly is. Yeah. On on the the creator. Uh,
1: let's see. Um, who am I? I would say I'm mom. I'm mom to my two wonderful kids, 10 and 12. Uh, I also teach and I love teaching. I'm so lucky to be a teacher. Uh, I teach grade five. Used to teach grade two. Um, love to sing. Um, I know how to belt it so now I'm just learning how to control it. <laughs> um <Love> it. yeah. <laughs> um I I like singing the low notes, which I'm sure you've heard when when oh, I get yeah. lost. I just Oh,
0: we're we are all about <laughs> the low frequencies, aren't just, we? Just
1: just oh, totally, totally.
0: Just a bit.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Kelly stopped singing tenor. Sorry. Sorry. Just happens. <laughs> um Let's see. What else about me? Um, I'm a single mom, but at the same time, I'm really proud of the fact that I'm totally, I'm not on my own Um, co-parent with my ex and his new wife and well, not new wife, but his wife and we're, we're doing well. And so, yeah. And now that Sam, Sam and Zoe, that's their names. Now that they're older, starting to explore what some of the things that I love to do. You know, love being outside, um, starting to hike a bit more, starting to, you know, explore where singing is and, you know, just, yeah, that's me sort of in a nutshell. In a nutshell well oh, you you said, yeah. you, taking, you said you were taking
0: you were said you were taking some uh, some vocal lessons lately what's that been like for you what's oh, that looking like
1: it's it's been cool like I mean I'm doing it online, of course, you know now in this current situation, singing into somebody else's space is not really you know not a good thing so um been doing it online and learning a lot like i i you know i'm learning terminology that i'm kind of like, okay, what does it mean to lower your larynx or you know lower your palate your soft palate like things like that learning what head voice is and chest voice and um learning that pharyngeal is hilarious but oh my gosh it allows you to mix your voice so much better which i think as an alto maybe even a second soprano but i mean i think a lot of people but a lot of different areas in in singing but especially as an alto when you're going from you know you might hit a low A or G and then in that same song, you're hitting high A and G. You know, like it's learning how to mix your voice is, I think, would make it a lot more fun. So that's been a lot of fun and getting feedback. I like I like getting the feedback, even even if it's like, oh, huh, that's what I sounded like. But how else do you get better unless you get feedback? I'm huge yeah, on that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's well,
0: been- I know, like you and you and I have both talked about the idea that you know, when you hear your own voice, you're like, really, that's what I yeah. sound like. And oh, yeah, man, my voice sounds so much better in my head. <laughs> it sounds glorious in my own skull. <laughs> um, but yes. as soon as I hear it back, like, oh, man, yes. Oh, man.
1: Yes. And like, you know, I, I think because of, you know, having to continue learning online at home, and wrapping my brain on what about what that's going to look like and how I'm going to be able to reach my kids over the distance. Um, I've I've had to video myself and I've had to video myself teaching. Um, I've sung a few things on my phone and had to play that back. Or I'm starting to get more and more used to it because there's really nothing you can do about it, right? So you just you just you just I get more used to it. I mean, nothing's such good feedback, though, right? Like when you hear yourself recorded, you're like, "Ooh, is that what I said?" Okay, well, how can I work on that to make that sound smoother? Um, how can I say "um" less? How can I say "like" less? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how, definitely.
1: How can I not sound so pitchy when I hit that particular break? So it's yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's it's uh, black and white feedback for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like hearing your own voice back, especially as singers too. Like there's there's nothing more revealing about the way that you sound.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: than hearing yourself back on Uh like a vocal track, like a like a singing vocal track, not just you speaking.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: It's very it's very humbling, right? (laughs) It kind of it kind of puts you in your place a little bit. Like, whoo, I gotta work on that.
1: Wow. Wow. So I okay. All right. So that was when I was singing along with that person. I sounded fantastic. But <laughs> but when it's just your naked voice, you're like, wow, okay, I'm gonna work on that.
0: I was like, okay, cool. I'm not Aretha Franklin. I'm not Andrea Bocelli, you know? Like-
1: I just wanna be Ella. I just wanna be I- Ella. No, <laughs> it's never happening. That's okay. That's okay. I don't think there could be another Ella. She was the bomb.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know what? Like you'll, you'll never be Ella and that's okay. But Ella's also never going to be you. No. (laughs) Right.
1: No, no, that's true. We, yes, yes. God rest her. She was, wow. Such a contribution to music right there. That woman. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, Mm -hmm. I don't, you mentioned in there a little bit about like doing video over, um, or doing video for teaching and, mm-hmm. and all that. So tell me a bit about that. Tell me what, what teaching has been like in mm. a global pandemic. Cause I mean, currently it's uh, July 15th, mm-hmm. you know, 2020 mm-hmm. in the middle of this whole COVID foolishness. Yeah. Um. So what's, what's happened like for you these last few months? Like kind of, well, run yeah. me through a bit of that.
1: Well, I think I finally caught up on my sleep. Um, that's good. That's good. Cause right now we're in summer break. Right. Um, so our last, yeah, our last day, I think was like June 28th or 29th. I can't quite remember. Um, gosh, you know, I gotta say in the beginning, it was, it was really hard because for me, um, I mean, I, we, March, oh gosh, this is pressing me. It was March thirteenth or fourteenth. It was a Friday, when I said goodbye to my grade five class. I had no idea that I was not going to see them on Monday. Um, we already knew about COVID. We already knew that we should be washing our hands lots. That, you know, high fives and fist bumps. We should be avoiding that. So we were kind of retraining ourselves to like we kind of would giggle over like elbow taps and foot taps and things like that. And we were trying to figure all that out and. You know, just being super careful because, you know, it's March and, you know, there's allergies and colds and things like that. And so just being super careful around that. But for us, we just felt like COVID, I guess it was a weird thing because you knew it was in Alberta, but for some reason, you just felt like it hadn't arrived at school yet. I, I don't know. Um, and then literally that Sunday afternoon, my friend, texted me and she said, have you been watching the news? And I said, no, actually. And she said, well, school's been canceled. And the bottom just sort of dropped out for me. Um, And we were at school, I think for that week and possibly a little bit into next week, just cleaning. We were cleaning, we were packing up stuff for kids to come and get their, for parents to come and get their stuff, um, like water bottles and shoes and books and things like that um and the school boards as everybody in Alberta and everybody across the country were trying to figure out what is how are we going to continue the the children's learning and just thinking about where the kids were at and how we could best serve the kids and so it was a huge whirlwind of um navigating it for for teachers but also especially for the kids and for the families because it was just so much for everybody to process, because not only was school canceled, some people's jobs were canceled. Maybe not that Monday, but it was pretty quick after. So you're just, there was a lot of social and emotional thinking going along with all this. And then once you slowly started to get up and running, then we started doing these things called learning plans and what that was going to look like for each week. And how were we going to, how could I provide quality, you know, continuous learning for my kiddos. And I also wanted to introduce, you know, wanted to help them to keep with their learning, you know, because it was March, there were still concepts that I wanted to teach my kiddos, right. And there were still projects that I wanted to do with them. And then I had to take it online. So trying to do science online, that was tricky stuff. That was tricky yeah, stuff. Yeah, of, of course. And you're doing like social studies and you're sending home, you know, you're trying to teach your kids how to take notes and write from their notes and things like that. And it was just so hard because you have classrooms are getting more and more complex between, you know, um, physical and learning, physical disabilities, learning disabilities, and now even like mental Uh, Where are our kids mentally, right? And so you're thinking about all this stuff as I'm sending out these learning plans going, please, if you're struggling, talk to your teacher, you know, because parents were also asked to look over these learning plans and to help their kids through it and stuff. And some of these parents were like, you know what, there's a good reason why I send my kids to school.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a reason why I pay someone else to do this (laughs) so that I don't have to do this. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right so it was just I think I well I, I don't I know that for me it was tough because I knew my class and um you know it's, let me say I I knew my class but as parents we know our kids the best but
0: oh, of course I knew yeah. my
1: I thought about my kiddos and I and I just thought you know oh who's going to be struggling with this and who's going to struggle with this and who's going to want more? Some of my kids weren't struggling. Some of them wanted more. They want Miss Krieger. I want more and more and more. But we had specific mandates from the government about what we could do. So it was really just going with a new norm. I can't believe I said that. I have a buddy who's going to clobber me when she hears I said new normal. But <laughs> that,
0: that term has been something oh, else these oh, days. It, it feels right? like the new, the new like, societal hashtag, like you hashtag know- new norm, like, it It is what it is. I mean, I we get it, but there's got to be a better term for it. There's just got to be, you know? It's
1: just life. It's pen, it's life in a pandemic, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, the other day I heard new, new, normal. Oh, N- for the crying new, out new loud. Normal. I'm like, no. And, and I know there's somebody who's a grammar, fi- grammar file better than me, who's just spinning, going, this is the word. And I can't think of the word, but, you know, so it was... It was definitely an interesting time. And then here I had my two at home. It was tough all around. But I have to say, God gave me a lot of grace because you have to respect the fact that there's parents that they're not available until three o'clock in the afternoon. So if that's when they sit down with their child and go, oh gosh, we need Ms. Krieger's help and they send me an email, well, I'm not going to be like, well, I can't answer it because this is my line in the sand like how is that fair because they're trying to cope too right
0: yeah and they're so. they're trying to figure it out yeah. know, one day at a time like the rest of us
1: absolutely
0: um i want to i want to touch a little bit on i know you were talking about your son sam um
1: maybe yeah. just tell us a
0: little bit about sam and oh. uh and your story of your yeah. your beautiful beautiful son, <laughs> and your I... your beautiful your beautiful little boy, and the incredible yeah um, light really that he is.
1: Oh, Sam! Well, you've met Sam a few times, hey? He's a hoops. I've met him a
0: few. Yeah, yeah. yeah he is he's a character. <laughs> he's he's something else. He's a little spitfire.
1: He's a little spitfire. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. I I think from very early on with Sam, like toddlerhood um things weren't quite developing like they i thought they should i mean he's my first so of course you have a lot of questions with your firstborn.
0: oh man is, my poor mother too like i'm the first right? of four boys like oh she, she must have known there was something something screwy with this first model <laughs> like she had to she had to get three more out to figure that oh, it was that it was all okay
1: right <laughs> no like this is the funny thing my mom and i laugh about this because I am the first, I'm a firstborn too. And I was the tough one. And then apparently my brother was a dream child. Like he was a dream baby. Let's just say dream baby. It was coming, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but he was like, he was like a dream baby. Um, but I was the tough one. And it was the same thing with Sam and Zoe. Like Sam was my firstborn and I would call my friends going, Hey, help me out with this. And they're like, wow. Yeah. My first wasn't like that but my second. And, and it was, I was the reverse. Like Sam was um, I couldn't quite figure it out. Like all the books and all the things that I had done said it should work this way. And it didn't work this way with Sam. Yeah.
0: And I was well, like, and how old is Sam now?
1: Sam's 12.
0: Sam's 12. And yeah. then how old is Zoe?
1: Zoe's ten. 10. Cool. So yeah, Sam was going through a particularly cute phase when I said to my husband at the time, Okay, let's have a second. Let's do this. And uh yeah, sure enough, I got pregnant and then Sam, whoo, just went, I'm not cute anymore. Oh, okay, that's nice. Thanks. Well, I'm already committed to the second one. But uh, no, <laughs> Zoe was, yeah. And so from very early on with Sam, I knew things weren't quite typical. And I thought, okay, well, this is okay. Like I my mom went through the same thing. Like I wasn't typical. Um So we'll just keep going with this. And he was in part-time daycare and they approached us about getting Sam assessed um, just to see if there was something unique about how he processed social situations. Because what was being observed about Sam is that it wasn't like he was being an instigator with bad behavior. It was more reactionary bad behavior. So quite often we would see the antecedent, like what was leading up to that behavior. Um, So, but why was he reacting to that situation? And by the time Sam was about four, four and a half, he was diagnosed with um, ADHD. And um, that sort of made sense because kiddos with ADHD, um, now, let me just say this, ADHD kiddos all present in certain ways. Right, child A will present differently than child B. Um, same between boys and girls is what I've learned over the years. And so, but but there are still some some things that are very distinctive about a child with ADHD. And the the thing that was interesting to us was that a child with attention deficit will actually hyperfocus or not focus at all. It's usually like just a black and white kind of thing like that. And so Sam had his hardest times when he was transitioning between things and he needed a lot of warnings and he needed to be prepared that if he wasn't going to get his way, how was he going to react? It was a really tough go. And right around like meaning when I say tough go, I mean, he was known as a kid with behavior issues. He was known as a kid with emotional issues. And that was really hard for me. Um, And I think he was about in grade four when we got him something called an educational psychological assessment. Big word for saying, we're going to assess your kid to see how they can best learn. And from that came out the additional diagnoses of being on the spectrum, which is autism spectrum. Um, They don't have the word anymore, but the word that most people understand is Asperger's. But Asperger's has been replaced with high-functioning autism. Sam is officially diagnosed with mild autism, ADHD, and he has a couple learning disabilities. So equipped with all that, it just sort of explained that social and emotional issues, Sam's always going to have a, a little bit, well, not always, I shouldn't say always, but during his years of development, he's going to need extra coaching to understand those situations. and it's been interesting um, seeing Sam's journey over the last year and year. Yeah. Over the last year of him really starting to process the fact, actually, I guess two years process the fact, first of all, that he's different. He started to get aware of that. And then how is he going to become okay with that? And how is he going to move forward with that? And yeah. And I mean, those are all choices
0: that, that he's got to that he's got to make you know given yeah given um the hand that he's been dealt really and it's it's cool to see i guess the ways that obviously that you've seen him grow over these last i guess two years now that you've that you've said um see him become more aware because i mean i guess a little bit it, it kind of resonates a little bit with me, too, because when I was a kid, I think it was about grade six. Yeah. Um, my parents had me brought in for some kind of test, and I don't really remember much of it, but I do remember the letters ADHD coming up.
1: Wow. Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, for me, was... It, it didn't really affect... Very much mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. of my
0: life, mm-hmm. but i I knew i guess from that moment forward that there was a label kind of pinned on me,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: and I never went on medication or anything there was right. i think there was one or two other kids in my class at that time that were also a d h d and they were on i think one of them was on Ritalin for sure, and I don't remember. There's um, so many now about the other one, but there's so many. There's so, so many now yeah. I've, I've never been medicated for it. And I think I've just, yeah, I feel like I've almost outgrown it in a way, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. So, some of what you were saying about that initial diagnosis <laughs> just reminded me of when, of when I was brought into some doctor's offices and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and when I first heard those words and heard the descriptors of that, yeah. Um, I guess, Condition or whatever you want to call that, right? <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was maybe grade six. I didn't really understand it.
1: No, and you know it's interesting that you say that because um, I remember uh, Sam was in the middle of getting assessed the first time for ADHD um, when he was like little. For by then, I was in school because uh, I came to teaching late. I started. I went to get my bachelor's of education post separation. So here I am in school. Sam's getting assessed, um, freaking out because I'm putting my youngest into daycare, and that was not the plan. <laughs> right. You know, well,
0: and how old was Sam at this point?
1: Sam was three and a half, four years old in the middle. Three of the and a half. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a young diagnosis, but we had some pretty extreme behaviors that we needed to understand because, um, gosh, we had a lot of support in the home. And also at, at the daycare. And so when they looked at what was happening at home, like I had, I had um, a therapist visit my home. And it wasn't like, let's examine your living, you know, like, let, let, we're not examining your home. Right, just,
0: like, like a social services kind yeah, of scenario, nothing yeah, like that.
1: Not, not from what I understand. It was more like um, uh, emergency mental health care for the whole family. And because we had a lot going on and um, when they looked at what was happening at home at the two homes, both my home and, you know, my ex-husband's home and a daycare, they were like, okay, Sam's behavior does not fit his environment. So in a way that was very grounding to hear that, no, you're doing good as a mom.
0: Right. That it it wasn't anything that you necessarily did to, to elicit that exactly. it was more just something that he was yes. actually dealing with apart from whatever was going on in the whatever
1: moment. else was going on yeah you know? um and course, that's so
0: validating of course that's like what I mean. okay Thank it's you. good like i'm good i'm doing a good job I'm wipe, doing the, the best I can. wipe the gigantic droplet of sweat off the forehead right yes
1: yes yeah. and so um it was interesting so i would say to him i'm pretty sure I kind of feel like Sam got ADHD for me because I feel really scattered and I feel really (laughs) this and feel really this. And he just laughed. Yeah. This is the therapist that was there in our home. And he said, okay, first of all, I don't see it. And second of all, he said, if you do, and this might be for you too, JMO, is he says, if you do, you have enough strategies in your life that you accommodate for whatever quote unquote shortcomings you may have that you may feel you have, you've already accommodated for in your life. So like people might look at me, I've had, when I was in school, people would look over my shoulder and like, holy crap, are you ever organized? (laughs) And I'm like, if I'm not this organized, I'm going to forget about the paper due in two weeks and the posting that I have to make tonight. And oh yeah, my son has a doctor's appointment. Like I have to be this organized. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Um,
0: totally. You just sort of, it's out of necessity.
1: Yeah. Like you just sort of accommodate for it. You just make a system that works for you, right? And you know, it's funny, um, you mentioned meds. I think, um, Sam, Sam was was put on meds pretty early on. And I remember that being a really hard hurdle. Um, but you know, there are people who I, I had a friend years ago, decades now, her brain just simply, simply stopped making serotonin. And when your brain stops making serotonin, she explained to me, you go into a dark hole. And so she basically took a medication that was like her serotonin. And she was totally at peace with taking this. And that's how I had to look at medication for Sam was there's simply certain things in Sam's brain that aren't working the way they should. And his medication, you know, it didn't take away from who Sam is. Right? Like, as you said, Sam's a unique kid. And it hasn't really changed my my son, like he's still right. Sambo. And and if and if it did, well then we would be talking to the pediatrician.
0: Yeah, then it then it would be a Absolutely. different thing.
1: And we've Absolutely. been through we've been through it. We've been through it. But we're like something's going on with Sam. And so we talked to the pediatrician and sure enough something had to be adjusted. You know? And I I just I just want that to be an encouragement to people because you know I've talked to other people that are freaking out and, oh my goodness. And I'm like, you know, try it. Like it, it, it's just, it's just, Sam says to me, I taught him, (laughs) it, it straightens out the noodles, mom. It's to straighten Mm, out the noodles. I like that. It's to straighten out the noodles because I had a
0: thought too, like it it kind of fills in the gaps a little bit or it, it fills in, you know, the, the cracks in the cement, right. Yeah. And to make that sidewalk just feel a little better
1: because, you know, I don't want them. Teenagers will often stop taking their medication. And, right. and yeah. we might go through that, but I just I just hope for Sam that he doesn't. Cause it just helps him have just that ex more time to process what's going on in his world so that he doesn't feel like he has to have a meltdown or lash out, you know, which you know he's doing less and less. So that's my kiddo. And you know, it's funny. Um he has all this going on and yet there's, there's certain, Oh, higher level stuff. He talks about stuff that is not even on my radar. <laughs> and I'll look to my ex. He's a little bit more inclined towards electronics and computers and coding and things like that. And I'll be like, is what he's saying valid? And he'll be like, yeah, yeah. What he's saying is valid. Like, what? <laughs> wow. But he doesn't even know what six times five is, but in his world he doesn't need to know that like
0: but he's he's just existing on another plane baby yeah. like, that's it
1: <laughs> right yeah. and so so i guess
0: how yeah. how has like having a son on the autism spectrum and um a son with ADHD and all that how has that i guess prepared you as a teacher or informed the way that you teach other kids especially i guess during this time that we're living in right now where where a lot of the teachers are doing their classrooms are trying to operate their classrooms are trying to make their classrooms function over the internet and over Zoom and over all this like internet chaos what is what has having yeah a child on that spectrum done to shape the way that you operate as a teacher
1: yeah yeah you know I'll I'll back up a little bit and when I was again, you know, when I was doing my BED and Sam was in the middle of getting assessed and we would take courses about, you know, um, we took an ed psych course, educational psychology course, and listened to this foremost thinker about education and children with special needs, like the whole gamut. Um, and she said, you know, the kids that are gonna get left behind are the kids with the behavior issues. And uh I fell apart (laughs) right there in the middle of the class. I fell apart because I was like, she's right. Because kiddos like my Sam can be tricky to handle. They can be prickly. They can be um, just like, it's frustrating and exhausting. And
0: and if you can't be in that classroom as a physical presence to also like interact with that child face to face, that definitely almost Mm -hmm. puts up a wall or a barrier Between you and that yeah. child for sure.
1: Yeah. And so, well, and even JMA when we were in school, sometimes those kids couldn't be physically present in class.
0: Right. Yeah. Right?
1: Like these of are course. the kids, like these are not every child that has a behavior issue is a runner. But you'd have kids that would just simply walk out. Or, you know, when they're little, um, well, any age, or throw things and then you have to evacuate the classroom. You know, things like that. And so I, I guess what I'm getting at is that what it did for me was that I Sam, I look at my kid and what he's been going through. And I actually I look at Zoe and growing up with a brother like Sam and watching Sam and I interact and having me interact with Zoe and just this whole thing of like um raising Sam is different than raising Zoe. I I don't I can't raise them the same way. They have the same rules, they have the same expectations and standards, but I can't raise them the same way if that makes sense. Yeah. Um so when when I when I look at that, I I take that and I take it into the classroom and I think, "Okay, this kid is this this child is trying to tell me something. What is it?" And it's made me more compassionate. it's made me patient because a child is not going to respond to interventions the next day, <laughs> you know, or they might have a really good two weeks and then fall apart on the third. you know, so I think Sam helped me understand that it took it took what I learned in a book and made it real life so then you go to covid and Then we're all sent home, and it means that you're in touch with families. Now you're looking at the whole family, not just the child, and you're reaching out to parents and you're saying, How are you doing? and you know, please say hi to JMO for me. And if JMO has any questions, tell JMO that he just needs to email me, or you guys can email me, or setting up Zoom meetings one on one, one on one you know, and just saying, you know, like, you know, everybody, I I don't care if it's the whole family and me, that's fine. But, but how can I, how can I help you guys out? And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it becomes more about how are you coping during this time? It's not about did you get this assignment done on time? It's not about the assignments on time. It's about how are you doing at this time? Or we're all in the same boat, hon. <laughs> we all feel like we're falling short, <laughs> you know, because this is a very unknown time for us. And, and so I guess that's how that's all in, you know, it, it's definitely broadened my perspective. And then when we talk about what September is going to look like, it's empowered me to speak up as best I can for kiddos that have um social and emotional difficulties and just saying we got to remember those kiddos before we just make a blanket statement Like i just want to make sure that we're not forgetting let's not forget about those kiddos you know yeah yeah because there are some there were some students thriving absolutely and even wanted more you know but we also have our kiddos and it's not fair that they get left behind just because Just because of, you know, whatever they're dealing with at that time. That's not fair. Of
0: course. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective too. Like, because, you know, being at the front of a classroom, you see a whole class full of faces um, and it's very similar to like being on your computer and seeing a, a classroom, quote unquote, full of faces. But knowing that the family's in the room with those kids as well, it, it's just a different Yeah. I guess a different perspective that you don't even realize until you're there. Like when you're in that classroom and the kids are all lined up in their desks and in their rows and you see them and you're able to interact with them, that's great. And the way that our educational system is built is definitely around that kind of interaction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But then mm -hmm. the way that it's flipped now, you have a more direct line to that kid in, um, in regards to their family as well, or like in their own family situation. Oh yeah. So then how how has the like parental <laughs> um exchanges been lately as well? Like I... what, what has changed about being a teacher to these kids when they're at home yeah. where the parents are also like right there. What does that look like <laughs> for you?
1: I'm super I was super fortunate with my class. Uh I had my parents were super supportive. Like my parents <laughs> the students parents were right yeah <laughs> right yeah my parents like yeah I'm, your
0: parents I'm like your mom and dad my had.
1: domain whatever yeah. whatever still a public servant anyways <laughs> 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 but you know what i i actually actually um public servant that that's an interesting term because i think that's sort of how i saw it um You know, thinking about mentors in my life, um, I think of one mentor that's not even in teaching. Well, actually, in a unique way, she is in teaching, but not in a school division. Um, She works more with adults. But she taught me the valuable lesson of servant leadership. And that's what it is as a teacher. That's what it is. You know, like when I said in my classroom, it's my students come in parents say goodbye at the door or, you know, even if they, even if they come in to volunteer, you know, and they're, and they're hanging out in my classroom, it's still my classroom. It still says Ms. Krieger on the door. Um, but I'm there to, to teach and to help each child learn and be prepared for the next grade. Um, so if I was to, think about that as like oh well I'm in charge of this classroom it's not going to be a very fun learning experience for everybody there myself included and so I think I, I just without even thinking about it I took that home with me and even though um, I didn't hear a lot from parents I had to assume that I'm teaching parents with the whole gamut where both parents are working at home or one parent's working and the other the other one is not working and never did you know stay at home parent right um two parents maybe both of them lost their jobs and they're online trying to get CERB. they're trying to you know they're trying to get through to the CRA or they're trying to yeah. you know like i it was the whole gamut and you know i you know or or families that were going through traumatic experiences because you know um an elderly parent got COVID or somebody in the household got COVID um, or, or things like that. Like I just, so I just, I think I brought that idea of servant leadership home with me and I was like, I'll do the best I can. Short of, I have to say, I still had a boundary. Like I still had to be mom. I still had to take care of details of running the household. Um, And, and that made it a little bit exhausting because I have no husband, or partner in the house, to help me get the groceries or help me, you know, take care of this or walk through this assignment with Zoe or something like that. It was all on me, um, so I did have to draw some boundaries. I did have to draw some lines in the sand for myself, but it was still just that idea of um, when we're in a Zoom meeting and the and the children show up, you know. If the parents are in the room, that's, that's fine. You know, that's okay. Um, but parents too were also super cool in that they knew their child was in class with Miss Krieger. So it was funny. I saw this really funny video. It was this teacher. It was like a, a comedic video and it was a teacher trying to teach a high school math class. And, and, and at one point one of the parents took over his son's iPad. And wanted an interview right then and there. Can you please tell me how JMO's is doing in math right now? And the teacher's like, what? I'm teaching decimals right now. Like, that.
0: <laughs> like read, read the digital room, bro. <laughs> it
1: was so funny. Oh, wow. well, that's fine. You can give me a call. And that never happened. Like, so I think there was a lot of mutual respect on either side. And that was super, I was super grateful. I was super grateful to my families. And so many times I said, you know, we're all in this together. And you might say thank you to me, but I'm saying thank
0: you to you. Yeah. I
1: am super so course, grateful. So, of course, their
0: participation in the whole thing definitely makes your job easier when you're having to deal with X number of families as represented by each student in your class.
1: Yes, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if, if parents aren't on board with this, you know, if I'm not on board with, with salmon's always learning, they're not gonna be on board with it. Yeah. It has and they have amazing teachers. Oh my goodness. I yeah. I it's so funny being a teacher and watching my kids go through school. I learn from their teachers too. Like, mm. um as a teacher, I think in life actually, you have to be a lifelong learner. You have to be willing to have a soft heart and a teachable spirit. I yeah, think in anything,
0: absolutely. right?
1: In yeah. anything.
0: The, the, the moment that you think you know everything is yeah. the moment that you've already lost.
1: Yeah, like, I mean. Like, that's
0: it. Life right? is a constant, it's a constant pursuit.
1: Yeah, like I was telling you earlier, like my favorite show to listen to is Q. And when he, like, yes. it's, it's yeah. arts and culture. And I am I love arts and culture, right? And, and none of those people have stopped. Like, he was talking to uh, Neil Young the other day. And it was phenomenal. Like Neil Young doesn't stop; he doesn't just sit back and go, "I'm good." I thought that was kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Like, well, he, he and, never and you know what? Learning.
0: That's yeah. That's that's honestly a big reason that I wanted to do this podcast in the first place is because, um, I mean, I've had all kinds of jobs, like customer service and construction, and currently, like, I'm working at a German deli, right? So I've, yeah. I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a and a bit of everything and. And one thing that just has struck me, um, in all my years of just working and getting to know people and obviously getting to know people like you in, in the choir that we sing with or, um, getting to know people at college is just the, the amount of knowledge that's out there. And we'll never know any, we'll never, well, we'll never know anything. We'll never know everything. (laughs) Like there's no, there's no possible way. Even if you just specialize in one area, like teaching the area that you're in and the area that your um, expertise is kind of manifested, there's no way that you'll ever no. be a master teacher or whatever. And so I guess the idea behind this whole podcast for me is just um, exploring that idea that we're all knowledgeable about something and experts at something in unexpected ways, but yeah. also that we're all still on that road of pursuit of knowledge to only get better. Yeah. In the areas that we are quote unquote experts in.
1: Right. Like I mean, when I think about it, like I I'm always like if I don't know how to cope with something or how to how to decide about something or how to go ahead with something, I'm always looking for somebody who knows a bit more than me.
0: Yeah. Or, or absolutely. Who's
1: been down that road ahead of me. Yeah. And I'm like what what's it like down there what What kind of things should I be thinking about now yeah. um, because you know that's that's the only way you you learn from each other right And it's funny in teaching um I've heard like things become i haven't i think this is year seven that I've been teaching, and so so far, things have been pretty new to me. You know, and I've heard that, you know, once you get into year 20 or, you know, you get sometimes things can get cyclical, right? You even see that like, um, you sometimes see that in the church too, or you see that in trends, like things get cyclical, right?
0: Totally. But like even fashion, like things come stupid. back, right? That's like the saying. mom jeans are back. Lord knows why, but the mom jeans are back, right?
1: I'm never giving up high-waisted jeans again. I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't care it's I back to the second round it's here to stay right voted. i'm good i'm good um <laughs> but like you know or um yeah like just stuff will stuff will get cyclical and you never look at something though even in fashion you never look at something and go, oh yeah i've been there done that it's still reinvented so it's the same way with with teaching
0: What other examples have you had, I guess, as a teacher or as a parent that have, um, that have shaped the way you approach your role as a parent or a teacher? Like, what other examples, I guess, good or bad have you had that have influenced the way that you are a mom mm-hmm. or a teacher to your kids? Yeah. I guess to your, to your kids at home and the kids in the classroom.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, is um, I'm, I, as I said, like growing up in a household. Um, that was pretty. Gosh, we were pretty open. <laughs> we were pretty open with our emotions, and and the line was, you can express what you're feeling as long as you're not disrespectful. When you cross that line in disrespecting your parents, you can you can expect the consequence, right? And right. yeah. And so I grew up being able to express what I was feeling. I grew up with a mom that wouldn't let me retreat to my room. Um how should I say? Actually, she would let me retreat to my room, but there were times where she knew, no, I gotta dig this out of you, keto. You you gotta tell me what's going on with you because where you're at right now is not a good space. She never really ignored that. And and I think that's something that I've taken with my own kids. Um And I brought that into my classroom too. It's funny, um, my very first teaching interview, and one of the questions was, um, you know, what is something that you're reading? What's on your bookshelf that you feel has influenced your teaching? And I brought up Brené Brown. And I said, well, actually, it's a book that I just read by Brené Brown. And I'm pretty sure it was Daring Greatly. You know, the one where she talks about vulnerability?
0: Yep, I have um, it. I have it sitting on my bookshelf right now cuz you let me borrow it.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right.
0: I have I have your copy of it currently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that book uh just talking about what vulnerability is and what it isn't, right? There's a side of vulnerability that borders on neediness. And and so it's what vulnerability is and what it isn't and how when when you're I was raised with a pretty healthy amount of vulnerability. As I said, you know, having a father that would apologize, have a mom who was honest, but not, there's, there's, she never treated me like her best friend because that's not my role. I was her daughter. But there'd be stuff that she would be going through. And she's like, babe, this is what I'm going through. And that's why your mom's kind of cranky right now. Um, that happened more when I was a teenager. And I I really value that. Because I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I can give you space, Mom. Like, that's okay. Like, I get it." And so, I I think that certain level of vulnerability, learning what it is and what it isn't, and helping having Brené Brown break that down, helped me take that into my classroom. And I I learned that also. Um, you know, it feels like a thousand years ago. I used to work at a church, and the pastor that I worked with that I worked with were still friends, and she helped me understand that you know the reflection piece how important that is and it goes right along with lifelong learning right because when you can reflect on what you've been through or how a certain situation went okay did that go the way it was supposed to go or is there something that I can do better or is there repair work that needs to happen there you know and that just funnels into teaching to teaching and parenting to a certain extent as long as you're honoring the teacher-student boundary. Do you know what I mean? Like they're
0: mm-hmm. they're my students. Yeah. They're
1: not my friends. And they're my children. They're not my friends.
0: And there's definitely times where that where that won't be the case where they will be your friends and where you will have that deeper relationship. But yeah, um, but yeah establishing those boundaries early obviously is oh. is essential to to having respect on both sides to get that friendship later on.
1: Right. Yeah like if it ever if it ever comes I think if you If you become friends with a student, that's that's like 10 years down the line. That's like they may come back to talk to me or to talk to me about something that happened in their world in junior high or in senior high, that kind of thing. And in in that point, I'm an adult friend, you know, like I'm their grown up friend. Kind of thing, yeah.
0: Almost a peer in a way,
1: right? Yeah, or like a mentor in a way, I guess. Yeah. Too, like looking for mentors in my teaching to teachers who have gone before me, teachers who have more experience, more wisdom.
0: Well, and even even areas like like you taking voice lessons and and lessons in music, right? Like there's there's so much wisdom and knowledge and experience there that you just haven't really tapped into very much yet, and now you're kind of diving into that. So what I guess what role has music played in in your life and in your development and in your growth and in your yeah. story.
1: Oh, wow, that's a huge question. Um I remember people saying to me over the years. I used to sing a lot in church. I was often asked to sing. Pick this song and sing in church and so I would do that and I would be like the special music, right? Um And, but I think for a number of reasons, I never really pursued it. I think the biggest thing was just insecurity about it. And I kind of regret that. And then um, over the last three or four years, just different people saying to me, hearing me sing and saying, you need to do something with your voice. You need to do this. And I'm like okay, what do you know? And I'll never forget this one guy. He's like, he turned around at the end of service. He's like, okay, seriously, you have an amazing voice. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. He's like, do you not hear yourself sing? And I'm like, yeah, but you should hear the rest of my family sing. And he's like, oh my goodness. Well, I found out later that he actually worked with Alberta Theatre Projects. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, so oh, so you kind of heard other people sing? Hey, he's like, yeah, and I just felt kind of like a doofus. I was like, oh,
0: like oh wait, you meant that when you said that? Oh,
1: so like you 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 know know what you're talking about, right? Because you know what it's like. Like you hear other people and you go, oh, I love hearing you sing, and you're like, that's great, and you're just like, but I don't know who you are. You could be whoever, and and. And I'm and and it was very kind of people to say that. But I was like, but I don't know how much musical background you have. So between there was him and then there was another person that said to me, he's like, seriously, you need to work on this because you have a good voice is essentially what he was saying. And I was like, well, I better take some responsibility for this. And I better step forward. And, and I think I think that was the other thing was God was kind of going, you need to stop being such a scaredy cat and you need to sing. So whether that means I'll ever solo or do something on my own, I think is irrelevant. I think it's just, what are you going to do with your voice? Whether that's in a group or on your own, that's irrelevant. It's just, what are you going to do? Because God's given you a gift. So how are you going to use that? Yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It it just means a lot now that, I mean, I can use it now to bring people to worship. That's great. They don't need to hear my voice. You know yeah. what I mean? Because everybody's going to hear it if I can't sing well, <laughs> right? Everybody's going to hear if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, but if you're doing it well, then I don't care if I'm in a group and nobody hears me.
0: Yeah. Cause you that's not the point. Um, it's about you just exactly. sharing the thing that you have and, and yes. giving it and putting it out there and contributing. contributing, yeah,
1: contributing exactly exactly, I think it's about contributing, and I think in a world where everybody feels like they have to, not everybody, but i I think there's and I get caught up in it too, I don't mean to sound self righteous, but I think we're in a we're in a stage now where people feel like being known is attainable, so everybody wants to be known for something, like all like you know and and I just think, well. I've, I've often thought about like, what is my purpose? I think we always have to We always ask that question, right? Um, does it have to be something singular or can be part of a contribution? Can it be part of a group? And if you're call if it gets to be singular, that's fine. But if you're always in a group, well, that's very valuable too. That's how I also feel about teaching too. It's not about standing out. It's about how well can I equip these little lives and into me, you know? 'Cause they're yeah, kids are pretty amazing. I'm pretty lucky to get to do what I do.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, Kelly, yeah. this has been a real treat. Honestly, i I had oh, such thanks. a great time. It was fun. Oh good. This has been I'm this glad. has been fun. Yeah. All thanks right. so much for being on uh, on my podcast okay. on this unexpected experts journey. So
1: Aww. Well, thanks for asking me, man. It was totally, and it, I think it made me a little nervous to think of myself as an unexpected expert. But that's a mm. great term for it because I think at one point you look around and you go, "Well, this." My mom used to say, "Well, now this is this is an adventure, you know. <laughs> well, now this is life, mm. like, yeah. yeah, yeah." So thanks so much, man.
0: Thanks Sweet. so much, my friend. All right. Well, there we go. Episode one is in the bag. And thank you so much for listening and spending your time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the podcast website at unexpectedexperts.com. There you'll find a bit more about the show, a bit about myself and links to our Instagram page and email address. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of Unexpected Experts.